How are you? I just don't feel like standing on the stage today, so I'm just going to move this forward a little bit. Hi, how are you? How good was worship? Hey, oh my goodness. You know, I know, like, okay, the band this morning was really good, right? Were they good? Yeah, they were, oh gosh. <laughs> what if they were terrible? What if they sucked? Jesus doesn't, that's, that's a good answer. <laughs> it wouldn't matter, would it? We still get to worship. We're like, even if, it, even, if it doesn't, even if it didn't sound very good, I can still worship God, I'm still free to do that. But I'll tell you what, there is just something about two to three being gathered together in Jesus' name and everyone worshipping that actually does make preaching easier to do. I'm going to say that, so thanks guys. Thank you everyone for worshipping. Now what a great morning. Okay. I've been using a term a lot lately, or not a term, a phrase. I've been saying a phrase a lot in the last, I don't know, month. Some of you have probably heard me say it. It's, yeah, it's that one. Let's be the body. I've been starting to say that. Because I don't believe that leadership is the entire church. I don't believe that it's the leadership's job to do everything. I believe it's the body's job. The leadership is only part of the body. Christ is the head, not the pastor. And so... The leadership is just a part of the body. The body does the work of the ministry, don't they? So I've been saying, let's be the body for a while now. And <laughs> I was sitting on the toilet on Monday, and uh, I said that in the first service, and then Tim Randall said to me afterwards, I was caught in your message ever since you said that, so I'm saying it again. I was on the toilet on Monday morning, and uh, I was on my phone. Honesty test, how many people have ever been on their phone on the toilet? Do you know, statistically speaking, 80% of you have been on your phone while on the toilet, so <laughs> you didn't, only a few people passed that. Thanks, Carla <laughs> and Reuben. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, so I was sitting on the toilet. I was on my phone. I don't actually know if I was on my phone, but Hannah called me, and I had, at least I had my phone in my pocket or it was in my hand, I can't remember. And, and she asked me if she was allowed to do something, you know, for someone in the church. I mean, as if you need my permission to do something for someone else in the church. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's good. That's, do it. Come on. Let's be the body. And then straight away, I was like, straight away, it just seems to have more significance when I said it. And I'm like, there's a sermon in that. Hallelujah. And then James called me up like an hour later. He was supposed to preach this week. I was supposed to preach next week. And he's like, hey, man, I've got to go off and fight fires in Eden this week. Are you able to, like, I can still be at service, but I won't really have time to prep a message. Are you, able to, are you able to put something together and preach instead, and I'll preach next week? I was like, yeah, cool, I can do that. I know just the one. So let's be the body. Everyone say it with me. Let's be the body. Hallelujah. We're all ministers and kings and priests. Scripture says so. It's not dependent on our ability, but it's dependent on God's grace. So let's start. The first, the only mindset I really want to look at addressing today is, oh, I've got to turn this on. Hallelujah. The urgency to find my safe space. Now, there's a context I mean this in. It's not the context of, of uh, like we walk into a church, right? And this is meant to be a safe space where we can trust each other and talk about things. And that's not the kind of safe space I'm talking about. The kind of safe space I'm talking about is your individual's safe space. It's your comfort zone. I don't believe in comfort zones. I think they're a terrible place to be. I think comfort zones are antithetical to your personal maturity and a strong, growing church. Do you agree? Okay. 
I want to take a look at what some of our comfort zones are that we tend to fall into. And it's, it's not that we're necessarily... We just tend to fall into comfort zones because we're used to routine, aren't we? Routine is not a bad thing. But when we have trouble breaking from our routine because it doesn't feel right or something, that's, that's when the trouble starts. We've got to be prepared to break our routine for something that actually matters, like love. So let's talk about a couple of them. I'm not going to have them up there. I'm just going to keep that there. So, so one of them is once I find my niche in church, like my pocket where I feel comfortable, right, where I find my groove, I find my friends, I find the, the ministry I serve in, I'm just doing that, doing that, doing that, doing that, doing that, and I settle and I become comfortable doing the same old thing. You know, it's when we become comfortable doing the same old thing where we stop getting challenged to do new things. God stops challenging us. People stop challenging us because we don't really give them permission. We, we stay in the, the, the same old pattern. So, I mean, for many of us, see if you can identify this, right? Most of us work a job. That's a fair few hours right there. That takes up a lot of time. And then, okay, you've got, you've got a grow group you go to. If you don't go to a grow group, you should go to a grow group. If you can't start one, all you need to do is read through some scripture together and talk about it. You've got a grow group. So you've got work, you've got a grow group. You've probably got a ministry role that you serve in, and it might be a, a routine sort of ministry on a weekly or fortnightly basis or something like that, or it might be here on Sunday, like, like the Usher team or, or the music. Um, or it might be a little more sporadic, but it still requires commitment. And then, you know, you've got Sunday service, for some of us, you've got two Sunday services. And, you know, you've got family on top of that. You've got all this stuff. Like, life gets busy, you know what I mean? How many people think that life is too busy sometimes? Yes. Hi. Okay. But when life gets too busy, I tend to, I tend to not let people cross boundaries into my life. Like, it's like I give them a section of my life. I give them a portion but it's like I don't really let them have me. We can even do it in our grow groups. Your grow group is supposed to be one of the best things in your life because a grow group that challenges people is amazing. But a grow group that doesn't challenge people and where people are comfortable is, it's really dangerous, actually. I don't think the devil actually minds a grow group that doesn't change people. Okay, but we get too busy and we don't let people have a a real amount of access. For example, like here on Sunday, the danger is in many churches, I'm going to go and talk to the people that I know really well or that I hang out with during the week, you know, and, and I'm going to go and sit down with them, you know, how you been since Thursday when I saw you last? You know, we tend not to talk to people that we don't really know or that or it, even the new people, you know, it's like it's scary talking to people you don't know, whether you're, whether you're, don't believe in God or whether you kind of do believe in God, but you know, you've never been to church before or whether you've been coming to church for 20 years, it can be scary talking to new people. That's, I mean, that, that just happens. So sometimes we get locked into the routine of talking to the same people. And it's good to talk to your friends. But I think if we do that every Sunday, that's probably a problem. If we're not able to catch up with people during the week and, hey, how you doing? You know, I'm too busy. Like, I think that's a problem. As a, 
as a pastor, I sometimes think, you know what? I'm too busy. I don't want to talk to anybody. You know, <laughs> no one can touch me right now. I'm just too damn busy. It's not happening. You know, it's, it's just not a healthy way to be. Busyness for the sake of busyness is not healthy in itself. But shutting people out, that's not good either. Okay. Another one is <laughs> running to the pastor every time I have a problem. <laughs> now, there's a balance to that. We like to talk to you. We want you to talk to us as well. There's got to be a balance. Sometimes people, and, and I know Steve knows what I'm talking about, sometimes people, they, you know, we, we chase after them. And it's sort of like, where, where you been? You know, like, what's going on? We heard this was going on and... And you know, how, how is that all going? Yeah, you haven't spoken to me. And they're sort of like, well, you know, I knew you were busy and I didn't want to bother you with little old me. And it's like, oh, for goodness sake. You've got to talk to us. You know, you're important. You matter. We love you. But on the flip side, whenever something comes up, if it's the same old reoccurring problem, maybe you've got to take responsibility for it and change something in your life. <laughs> Amen. Okay. Are we listening? I love it. Okay. So these are examples of safe spaces. And I mean, I'm sure there's more than that. I haven't thought through all of them. We can probably identify safe spaces in our own life. I certainly can. Okay. But this is not how the body of Christ is supposed to function. This is how the body of Christ declines when we as the people, as the church, as the body of Christ, accept safe spaces in our life that nobody can cross into. Okay. Now, I want to look at Scripture. I thought, I was thinking this week, I thought, where is some good Scripture in the Bible about church or the body of Christ or how I'm supposed to function as, as a member of the body of Christ? And, oh gosh, how do you, how do you pick? There's so many. Okay, but I want to go to Romans chapter 12. Okay, and we're going to go to verse 9. We'll start at verses 9. We'll go through to 21. If you've got your Bibles, I'd like you to open up your Bibles. But oh, Tash is on the ball. Thank you. I want to read it out of my Bible. Romans chapter 12, verses 9 to 21. Okay. Now, I just I don't want to do a big explanation after this. I, I, I just want to talk about it as we read. Is that Okay. These are all do things. These are action statements. These are the things that we do. Let love be genuine. Do you have any idea how hard that can be sometimes when someone's wasting your time? Oh my goodness. I'm busy. But whenever we read one of these verses in here, I want you to think of its foundation as let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Who's read the Old Testament? Whoa. There we <laughs> How strong is the language on evil and sin? It is really strong. It's, it literally says brutal things like, I'm going to go there, put this person in the middle of the village and everyone has to stone that person. Till they die. Oh, my goodness. I like to put myself in the shoes of people in the Bible. Okay? 
and in this situation, I put myself in someone's shoes, throwing stones at someone. What am I going to be thinking? They could be your family member or your friend. This is not something I want to do. But if love is to be genuine, but we abhor what is evil, we don't hate the person that we're throwing rocks at. Oh, I'm so glad we don't do that now. But the language was purge the sin from among you or purge the evil from among you because God knows that a little bit of sin gives way to this much sin and that gives way to this much sin and that gives way to this much sin and it just keeps growing and growing and multiplying till literally it's covered the entire world and Israel worked themselves as a world power into slavery again when God freed them from slavery. That's what sin does. It erodes, it destroys, it multiplies. It ain't good. And you're not supposed to enjoy. They weren't supposed to enjoy stoning people. It was supposed to break their heart so that no one would ever do those things. That's God's heart. He doesn't want sin, but he wants to love. He wants people to love each other. Okay. Hold fast to what is good. Fight for it. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, but fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. That's a good one. Sometimes we think we're serving people when we're serving people. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. I don't know why everyone's so afraid to pray for patience. I think it's amazing. I think it's one of those things that advances your godliness like nothing else. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. What does seek mean? Not the seek at the seek temple, but what does seek mean? Does it mean wait for an opportunity for kindness to drop into your lap and then do something about it? It means go and look for someone. Oh, an opportunity isn't presenting itself. I'm going to find someone that I can show that I love them. Even if I don't know them, I'm going to look for it. Bless those who persecute you. (laughs) Bless and do not curse. You know, this doesn't just mean uh, when you're persecuted for your faith. This can be when other Christians persecute you because of the doctrine you believe. This can be another Christian just being mean to you just because they're mean. Bless them. And, you know, sometimes... I've heard people say, I disagree with you, but bless you. Okay, and they go away and it's like, oh, that was so shallow. That's not real blessing. Real blessing comes from a heart of blessing that says, I have no, not a single negative thought towards you whatsoever, even though you have negative thoughts towards me that you're expressing. I just want God to bless you. I love you. That's what it is. This is how we treat the body of Christ. This is how we treat each other. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Even that in itself can be difficult, can't it? Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. (laughs) Talk to people who are different. Don't talk to the same old people. Don't just spend time with your crew. Go (laughs) and... You know the conversations. I'm sure some of you have had some weird conversations over the years with other Christians. Okay, some, some people believe some f- funny, whack things. Some people smell funny. Some people you can just look at. 
I'm just being honest. And you'll know straight away that you're about to have an interesting conversation. And you know what? You do. Times ten. Even They'll still blow your socks off, even though you're walking that conversation full of expectation. Doesn't matter. Go and talk to them. Love them. Don't worry about what they believe. How's Jesus going to have a conversation with them? Is he going to ridicule them for it? Is he going to say, whatever? Come on. We've got to be real with people. We've got to love them. It doesn't matter what they look like or how they smell or what they believe. Never be wise in your own sight. Amen. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance. Hannah and I were having this conversation, right? Like, I don't know, last week or something. We were discussing, we were, we were trying to talk about what, what's the difference between vengeance and justice, because quite often they can arrive at the same result. And, and we're like, what really is the difference? Because people pursue justice when they've been wronged. And it's sort of like, is there revenge in there? Like, what, what's going on? And, and the conclusion that we sort of came up with was, vengeance makes you feel better. I think that's all we came up with. It's just, it's all about, I'm going to do this so that I feel better. They need to know how I feel. But justice... Sometimes when you arrive at a just result, it's not the place you want to be. It doesn't make you feel good at all. It, it's impartial. It's, it's not about how you feel whatsoever. But vengeance is about making yourself feel better all the time. How do you do that when you're in a conversation and someone says something really mean? Like, okay, Ian. Ian stands up and says, Jamie, I, dis- I, I disagree with you and you're an idiot. Like, what am I going to do? Am I going to call him something back? Am I going to say, well, Ian, you know, like, yeah, hey, that's a form of vengeance. I don't want to do that. I, I, I just want to love Ian. He's handsome. And if you're ever moving house, gosh, this man is a machine. Okay. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Oh, what does that mean? When I was a, a little tacker, my dad bought me a, like one of those children's study Bibles. It was a good old NIV. And uh, I read that scripture. And I didn't know what it meant. I thought it sounded really mean. And... You know how a lot of Bibles have little commentaries written down the sides of the pages, you know? This little children's study Bible had that, but the person who wrote the commentary didn't understand it either. <laughs> oh, gosh. And it said something along the lines, of, you know, something to this effect. You don't really have any choice, so do this. It's really mean, but on their head. Who wrote this? And so for years, I didn't understand what it meant. But okay. Let's, I'm, the reason I'm picking on Ian is because he's not like this, okay? He's a, he's a great bloke. He's, he's a rock in the church, okay? So let's just say Ian, I don't know, for whatever reason, has it out for me, doesn't like me, makes little snide comments all the time. Um, 
Maybe he doesn't even notice he's doing it. Maybe he does. Sometimes we think people are being mean to us on purpose when they're actually not. They're just battling something inside they don't know how to deal with, right? And let's just say Ian's being mean to me all the time. And I'm like, why are you doing this? Like, just, can we just have a normal conversation without you giving me some kind of nonsense? You know what? You know, and uh, I could, I could get defensive or offensive or, you know, I, I could, I could shoot stuff back at him. But, well, no, let love be genuine. This, this isn't about me. This is, I love, I, I love Ian. Okay, so I'm just going to kill him with kindness. <laughs> I'm going to be nice to him. I'm going to love him. I'm going to bless him. And the way burning coals comes onto his head is that's the conviction of God because the more he's mean to me, but the more I'm kind to him, the weight of God is going to slowly fall on him and the realization of what he's doing is going to come to mind. That's God convicting him. It's redemptive. It has power. It's for his good. That's what burning coals on someone's head is for. It's actually good for them. It makes them realize what they're doing so that they can have the opportunity to repent. That's how we treat the body of Christ. That's how we treat each other in here. Come on. Let love be genuine. So do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I think that pretty much summarizes that whole passage very well. Let love be genuine. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Hallelujah. Now, these are all good things to do. I think we can agree. These are Paul's instructions for the church. But if we're not practicing the right heart condition, then if we're in the habit of doing these things, even though they're really good, they can start to weigh us down after a while. Because good deeds can be a little bit like drugs. Okay, It can feel good the first few times, but after that it starts to suck pretty quickly. Good deeds can weigh you down. They can, like, You might do one good deed and you might get a thrill from it or a high or something, but, but after that it, it starts to cost energy. It starts to be taxing if we don't have the right heart about it, and we start to become this martyr, or we feel unappreciated, or no one's noticing what I'm doing for them. Does that make sense? Okay. So how do we practice the right heart? I I remember uh, many years ago, I was helping people in some particular way, and and I was doing it on a consistent basis, and (laughs) and they'd come to me and they could complain about what I'm doing. And I think, I'm volunteering. I'm not getting paid to do this. I don't have to help you. How about I just back off and you, you'll be fine by yourself. See how you feel. That like I used to think that. I never said it to them. But how about I just stop? Okay, so there's two places that we can put our heart in. And when those situations come up, right, it's not... We're not resting in God's grace and, and, and in his promises. Hallelujah, what an amazing song. And then all of a sudden when something bad happens, all of a sudden we're, oh, we're in a dark place. No, a situation just reveals what's already going on. A situation just reveals what's already going on in your heart. You know, impurities don't fly into the gold when it goes into the furnace. It, it's already there and it goes into the furnace so that it can all come up. Okay. So, there's two places our heart can stand where we can practice. It's, I'm talking about practicing a stance here. One is selfishness. 
you can still do a loving deed and still be relatively selfish about it because you want it to make you feel better. So one is selfishness. The other one is love. Because if there was ever an antonym to selfishness, it's love. Because love is... It's got nothing to do with me. I can fall in love with someone and it can make me... You know, for the purpose of how they make me feel, right? But that's... That's not a very mature love. But if I love them for who they are and what I can do for them and I just want to be kind to them, no matter what I get out of it, that is biblical love. So my heart can either be selfish or it can be loving. How do we do that? How do we practice love without feeling unappreciated? And we don't get the recognition we think we deserve. We'll go to the the next verse, John chapter 15. We're just going to read that little portion there. When I was looking for scriptures, right, I think the one I wanted to avoid the most was Acts chapter 2 because we often tend to go there when we talk about the perfect church or what church is meant to be look like because it's, it's the church in action. I didn't want to go there. I'm still going to go there towards the end of this message because God still brought me there, but... I went to John 15, right? And I was like, wow, this is amazing. But then I started to backtrack through the Last Supper. Now, the entire Last Supper, Jesus' last night on earth, goes from John chapter 13 through to chapter 17. And at the start of chapter 18, that's when they go off so Jesus can pray. <laughs> John chapter, chapters 13 through to 17 is one of the greatest dissertations on how we are to function as a church Like, if I can give you any homework this week, go home and read John 13 through to 17. In the context of what is my role as a member of the body of Christ, it'll blow your mind. I couldn't believe it. It was amazing. The incredible love that he tells us to offer for one another and our reliance on the Holy Spirit. So good. So John 15, verses 3 to 5. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do. Everyone say it. Everyone say it. Okay, thank you. All right. Now, what do we do? We abide in Christ. What does that mean? I can probably throw that term around all day and we'll never be closer to understanding actually what we're supposed to do. Like, because we're talking about vines and branches and and remaining connected. You know, I I think I was about 23 when I learned actually what grafting plants was. I couldn't believe that it existed. Gosh, I'm a slow learner sometimes. Okay, so abide. Okay. Like my little diagram. Okay, the first one I want to talk about is time. We give Jesus our time. I get life gets busy, and it's good to be prayerful along the way whenever, whenever we're doing whatever, right? I get that. That's, that's good. We're meant to be prayerful all the day long through highs and lows and all sorts of things, but it's good best practice to take time out. Put it aside and not worry about anything else, just you and God. There's nothing like it. You know, Romans 12.1 says, uh, I appeal to you, therefore, by the mercies of God, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, 
holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And I think, by the mercies of God, or in view of God's mercy, some versions say, unless God gives me his mercy first, or unless I understand his mercy in some way, I can't, I can't respond. I, I got nothing. You know, and, and Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 and 23 says, His mercies are new every morning. Now that's not just restricted to a word that God speaks to you. But it is involved in that. I mean, his mercies are all the day long. We live and breathe simply because he has mercy on us. But the fullness of God's mercy was displayed when Jesus died on the cross and rose again. And we became redeemed, we became accepted, we became adopted, set free from sin. We're children of God now. That's the fullness of God's mercy. And whenever God gives his mercy to me in the morning, when he speaks to me, He's revealing just a piece of that redemption that I have in him. And just a, a spoonful of God's mercy is enough to make a grown man weep. It's just so good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And you know what? That realization becomes your entire day. And nothing can shake you. And you're able to be prayerful all the day long and thankful all the day long and knowing that he loves you and aware of his presence all the day long. Now that's abiding in Christ. Surrender is the second one. It's easy to say, Jesus, I'm going to make you the Lord and Savior of my life and then keep living the way we want to live. That's not, he's not the Lord of my life if I live the way I want to live. If my life is bought at a price, by his blood, and I know that, and my life isn't my own anymore. I was a slave to sin. My life actually wasn't my own before I came to Christ. I was a slave to sin. What a slave mean? It means chained and shackled. But now I'm a slave to righteousness. I am chained and shackled to righteousness in Christ. Woo-hoo-hoo! How good is that? My life is not my own. I've got to surrender it. I've got to lay it down. My thoughts, my actions, everything I do belongs to Jesus. I better live for him and not for myself. Come on. What does surrender involve? It means a daily dying to self. It means worship. It means worship. It means trusting God enough to entrust yourself to him. It can be easy to say, I trust you, but not do anything about it. That's easy to say. It's hard to lay your life down. Sacrificial. What is it? Living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Okay. The other one, obedience. I'm not abiding in Christ if I just read his word and pray and don't do what he says. That's not abiding in Christ. In fact, John chapter 15 goes through that. So if I'm practicing those three things every day, I'm abiding in Christ. It's not actually that hard. It's really refreshing and it's really easy. See, The greatest battle is in our mind, right? That's where so many of our troubles come from. They don't really come from the things that happen in front of us. It's just how we interpret it. But I often wear myself out with the battle going on in my mind. It's actually, it doesn't need to be as hard as what we think it does. We think that we fight the battle in our mind by fighting it. Oh, get it out. These thoughts are just good thoughts, good thoughts, not bad thoughts, good thoughts. That's not what fighting... 
that's fighting the wrong fight. That's fighting in your own strength to try and maintain control of your own silly little insecurities. We fight by resting in Christ. It's not taxing. It's not actually meant to take the energy out of you. You rest in Christ. You rest in his promises. Thank you, Jesus, <laughs> that I'm not like that. You might think you're like that because you do those things, but 2 Corinthians 5 says we regard no one according to the flesh, especially Christ. You don't regard Christ according to the flesh, which means you... D- okay, I'll keep going. You don't... You don't uh, what did I just say? I just had a complete mind blank. Regard people according to the flesh. You don't regard other people according to the flesh. Even when Ian's insulting me, I don't regard him according to the flesh. I love him. He's my brother in Christ. He's made in the image of God. That also means I'm not allowed to regard myself according to the flesh. I do some silly things. That doesn't actually make me a silly person. Do you know why? Because Scripture says I've been given the mind of Christ. That's who I am. Thank you, Jesus, that you've given me the mind of Christ. You know how we fight when something pops up into our head during something that sucks? I go, wow. I'm sorry, Lord. I'm going to let that go. I'm not like that. Thank you. That's called repentance. Isaiah says it. Jesus references it in Matthew and I think in Luke as well. Maybe Mark. It says, if you see with your eyes, you hear with your ears, you understand in your heart, repent or turn around and go the other way and I will heal you. It's repentance that heals us, not trying to control our own mind. Are you with me? Okay. I need to keep going because I thought I took 25 minutes this morning and I took closer to 50. I'm not even kidding. I thought I should go longer because I was so short. Whoops. Okay. Nearly done. So, this is practicing the right stance for our heart. And this is how we do all the stuff that we read through without getting worn out by it. This is a practice. It's not something you decide to do once and then you're there forever. You keep doing it every day. It's a daily dying to yourself. So we've gone through the do stuff. We've gone through the heart stuff. Now I want to look at what the church looks like. So let's turn to Acts 2, 42 to 47. Thank you. And can I please have the band back up? And you can play something pretty and holy. Thank you. Cheers. Let's read it. And I want to read it out of my Bible. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. What does devote mean? It doesn't just mean hang out. It doesn't mean do nothing, certainly. It means, it means persevering. It means continuing, kind of like the word abide means. It means commit to, put in effort. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. That's so good. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. 
Another passage says, no one who had anything thought it was their own. Wow. I get a little bit precious around my possessions sometimes. Can I borrow this? Oh, am I going to see it again? And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Can I ask you a question? Do you see anybody that put any safe spaces in there towards each other? I can't. I see that it says... All who believed were together and had all things in common. That's amazing. There were no safe spaces in this church. There were no comfort zones. There was no, I'm not going to allow you access to a certain part of my life. I get wisdom. We need wisdom. I get that. But I think we often get carried away spending more time protecting ourselves than stepping into something that I believe God wants us to do with someone. These people weren't looking for safe spaces. They weren't looking for comfort zones. I mean, what are we really looking for? when we look for a safe space. What are we looking for when we're looking for a comfort zone? We're looking for peace. That's actually all we want. Peace is not a bad thing. It's a really good thing. It's good to have peace in the church. It's good to have peace among the members. It's good to have peace in your family. It's good to have peace in your own life, in your workplace, in your grow group. Heaven is full of peace. There's no no arguments there. Who knows what will happen when Cesar and I get to heaven? <laughs> I'm kidding. We love to have doctrinal debates. But the thing about peace is it doesn't mean security. And it doesn't mean safety. That's not what peace is. Peace comes from abiding in Christ because He's our Prince of Peace. Do you know that if you've got Jesus in you, you've got peace, which is a fruit of the Spirit? You carry your own safe space with you wherever you go and you can walk into something where there is no peace and you can bring peace. You don't need a safe space. These people didn't look for any because they know they didn't need any because they had Christ. They were redeemed. They were a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Amen? Jesus is your peace. He's your safe space. You don't need another one. So, what I propose is that we be open to God and we allow people access into our lives. Not Take what I say in context and take what I say with balance, okay? But let's not go into our homes during the week and the the drawbridge grows up and, sorry, goes up and and we're in our fortress now and nobody can really touch us and, and, and we'll see each other on Sunday again. That's not what I want. I want us to, I get so sick of the saying, do life together but that's what it is we've got to learn to do life together hey what are you doing yeah come around to be honest I am actually busy come around sometimes things can wait let's not be so focused on ourselves so peace comes from Christ we abide in him 
And by the way, one sign that maybe you're not abiding in Christ like you should is that you, maybe you don't feel challenged in anything. If you're walking with Jesus, trust me, he'll challenge you. Trust me, people will challenge you. But peace is always in the midst of that. When Jesus is in the midst of your life, your life will not be comfortable. There's no such thing as a comfort zone. Obedience is not comfortable. It's sometimes not even pleasant, but it's right. So that's my prayer. And we'll pray in a moment. However, if you haven't given your life to Jesus, then let me tell you, friend, you need peace. Does it mean life is going to go okay for you tomorrow? Probably not. Giving your life to Jesus doesn't put you in a bubble, doesn't put you in the clouds. I don't think you want that anyway. Tough things will still come, but it means you've got Jesus to walk with you through it and to change you in the midst of it. Because that's the purpose of all of this stuff, that we would be changed into the image of Christ more every single day, becoming like Him. That's the purpose. It's called sanctification or mind renewal. That's what it is. We get closer to God every single day. The Christian life is, oh my goodness, the best life. Hallelujah. So if you want to give your life to Jesus, I want you to not worry about other people's opinions because they're not important. And now I had to make the same decision anyway. I want you to walk down the front. If you need prayer for anything, I want you to walk down the front. Whether you've got pain in your body or whether there's things going on in your life, something like that, there's people here, we will pray for you. Okay? Cool? So let us stand, let us worship, and we'll finish our service and we'll hang out together. Amen. Have a blessed day, everybody. I'll be down the front. A few people will be down the front. So come for prayer. Come for whatever you need. Let's worship. And then let's have a good time together and a great week abiding in Christ and spending time with